Last week we talked about living by truth, or in I guess the other side of that is to live not by lies. And I want to come back to that in a, in a bit. Uh, but I just want to start uh, today with, uh, with an apology. Um, oh, man. Sorry. I haven't slept a lot the last couple of nights, so... I want to start. I want to start with an apology by simply saying that I know that some were pretty upset with me for going to a, 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 an anti-lockdown protest last weekend, and um, you know the feedback that came back that my actions affect what people think of the church and Christians and even Christ. And as I thought about that, I, I really owe an apology to people for ever allowing you to look at me and getting in the way of Him. That. If your eyes have been on me, and for some saying, you know, your actions, they ca- uh, cause me to, you know, think differently of Christ, then, then your eyes are too much on me. And I don't know, I've tried so hard to make sure that that doesn't happen, but if for some reason that, that is where people are at, I, I want to apologize for that. I, I think of Paul, when Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11, he, he had written to them and said, you know, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. And I would say that I probably have to add to that if if you think there's actions in my life that aren't following Christ, please do not follow them. Do not follow them because my heart is being, as a normal person, just a regular guy, is I'm going to get things wrong, but my heart is to point to Jesus. That you as Kingsway Church, here, online, wherever, even if you're like, well, I'm not sure. If you're watching, you're part of us. That your focus, that your, that your eyes would be on Christ. Just like the writer to Hebrews said, you know, run the race of faith and keep your eyes on Jesus, the author, the beginner, and the finisher of your faith. And I'd like to ask, you know, too, that even all of us, that we would consider, we would consider being careful about judging other people's motives. You know, I many last week thought that my actions were selfish or that I'm not getting my way, and that's why I'm going there. They thought that, oh, he's there because the church is persecuted, or he, he's a conspiracy theorist, or he just wants to be a super spreader. I simply want to take this opportunity to thank the people who called me, because I think it's really easy to assume someone's motives. But for those of you who called me, I just want to say thank you. I honestly just want to say thank you, because you did what Jesus actually calls us to do when you have an offense against a brother. He said in Matthew 18, if another believer sins against you or offends you, go privately and point out that offense. And if that other person listens and confesses that you've won that person back. And I I guess the reason I want to share some of that is I I want to talk to our Kingsway family tonight. For those who know me, I just have these questions. I honestly, for the the, the actions that are behind and the actions that may be ahead, I just have to honestly ask, do you think that I hate people? For those of you who know me, do you think that I only care about myself, honestly? From our history together before COVID, do you think, would you have said that, yeah, he's proud or he's self-righteous? Maybe you would have, but I'm asking. Would you think that Kingsway doesn't actually care about or love people or that I don't love or value this church? And I ask that question because if you did think that, I wonder why you were a part of our church to begin with. I, I would think that you were a part of us because you realize that that's not who we were or who we are. When you think of some of these things, I ask this question, have you asked yourself why I would risk all of that and everything that I've worked so hard for, why would I risk all of that for some of these actions or some of the things I've said or some of the messages I've preached? 
Can I tell you why? Can I just tell you why? We uh, hatched some chicks today. Yeah, I know, I have a picture of them. Those little guys, they're less than a day old. You know, I was just thinking about, it's neat that they hatched today because they had this, you know, prepared to share that. It reminded me of something that Jesus said, and, and I'm not saying I'm Jesus in any sense of the word, but I can understand and relate to his feelings. As he said in Matthew 23, verse 37, he, he sees Jerusalem before his uh, crucifixion. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. I wanted to protect you. You often said, Israel, I look at you and it's like a sheep without a shepherd and his heart breaks for them with compassion. And sometimes that's how I feel. I honestly feel like I'm watching people who have been separated and distanced and they they're feel like there's a they're sheep without a shepherd. I feel sometimes that, that there's some of our Kingsway people, man, you guys are warriors, you're champs, you're in the word and you're doing great. And then there's so many that I see just as vulnerable as those chicks that my heart is reaching out to, and even the ones who aren't even a part of our family yet. And I, I just, it gets me. To be honest, it gets me. <sighs> Sorry for those awkwardly watching in the room. Uh, it's a crazy time we live in right now. And we usually, you know, ask some questions at the end of the message. But tonight's message is just simply full of questions. I might have to tag Gary in. (laughs) Can you read my English? questions, things for you and things for me to consider. I'm not even going to call this a sermon tonight because I know that some would just tear it apart and say, well, that wasn't an exegetical sermon. Maybe I just want to say this a heart to heart. I wish I could have it over coffee with you. Chris, can you edit out all the tears so it's shorter at the end? Awesome. Last week, we talked about truth, and I hope you didn't miss last week, but I know many have, that we live in a time where there's no absolute truth, and truth is harder to find than it ever was before because there's my truth and your truth, and we hold tightly to some things as if they are true, but is it truth? Is it really truth? Last week, we said, know your enemy because your enemy is not a person. It never has been. It never will be. We're in a spiritual battle. And I would, I, would, I would say that for all of us, you know, when you run up against things to not attack a person, but to attack a lie, to know, that's why I love that song. He'll kick down and don't lie. He won't tear down to come to us because guess what? They're everywhere. It's, it's the enemy's plan. Know his tactics. How, how does he work? He causes doubt in your mind. And then he'll, he'll lie to you and divide people just as, as much as he can. We, we see it happening. Know your weapon. It's the truth that you know that sets you free. Not just truth in general, the truth that you know. And then finally, we said, know your God. Know your God because he is the truth and he leads us into all truth. And, and what you believe and what you believe matters so much, it affects the actions that you take. So our challenge last week was make sure that what you believe is truth. Make sure that what you believe is truth. And one of the things that I've just witnessed is we dig so 
so hard into our stance on something that even when truth, like when Jesus met those men that day, that when truth stood them, looking them in the eye, they couldn't see it. They couldn't see it. My heart breaks for that. My heart breaks for our culture right now. Read Romans 12, verse 2. We've read it many times in different versions. You know where it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Happened to read it in the message this week, and it says this, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture as if the church moves with culture. He, he's, he's called us to be counter-cultural. And he says that you would fit into it. You fit into it without even thinking. Instead, he says, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. And thanks to Eugene Peterson for putting it into those kind of words. But what does he, what does he, what does he say? That, that line where he says you get so adjusted to, uh, well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. And that, that is where I stand right now that I see so many people that are just living life with, without really thinking. I fear that, that, they're, that they're, they're, there's a reaction before there's reflection. You know, the emojis, I think the first one is so quick what the feeling is. It's this immediate feeling without this one. Hmm. You know, or just simply accepting something as truth because you read it somewhere, heard it somewhere, and not actually digging in to find out the truth for yourself. You know, we do that here with our Bible studies. We ask you, yeah, come here and find the truth for yourself. Don't just, don't just trust me. And even tonight, I would say, don't just trust me. Don't take my word for it. Please dig into the truth for yourself, the truth of his word. Paul, he said to the Bereans, you guys are awesome because you don't just take me at my word. You, you study the word. But I think it goes with truth all the way around that some people just say, oh, that sounds clever. or That sounds good. I've, hear, I've heard all the things from my truth to like people talking about my Jesus would do this and my Jesus wouldn't do that. And not realizing there is no my Jesus or your Jesus. They're just Jesus. But it's so infiltrated even, even the church. Have you ever tried to sort out a fight between your kids? Parents? How many of you, like, the one kid always comes and you believe he's got the truth? <laughs> Happens all the time in my house. You know, they come in my office, they'll be like, Dad, this is what happened. I'm like, that's it. You're, that, go out there, you know, feed you're grounded for the rest of your, your life this time, you know? And, and uh, then all of a sudden, he'll be like, but Dad, this is what happened. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Okay, whoa, whoa, okay, what happened? You know, I thought the first thing was the truth until other information came in and revealed that the truth was somewhere in between. It's not just with kids, it's with spouses, it's with marriage counseling, it's everywhere. There's always two sides to the story, and the truth is somewhere in between. You know, Proverbs 18, verse 17 actually says, and Solomon wrote this 3,000 years ago by saying, the first to speak in court sounds right. They sound right until the cross-examination begins. And I ask this question about our culture right now. Have you noticed lately that only one side of the story um, seems to matter? That there's one side of the story that just keeps being pushed and pushed and pushed? That any opposing view... Um, or different view just gets canceled, or just gets censored, or just gets deleted uh, from, <laughs> from social media, from YouTube, from Twitter, from all of these places. And maybe you're like, well, I, I haven't seen it. Can I tell you that's why? It's getting removed. I don't even know. Maybe tonight it'll get removed from YouTube, and it's just for those in the room. Aren't you glad you're here? <laughs> not, just, 
not just views that get canceled. People get canceled. There's one narrative that gets shoved all the time through our media. And when a doctor stands up against it, canceled. Nurses stood up this week against it, fired, lost their jobs. Scientists stand up and say, hey, what you're doing is in science, canceled. You know, politicians say, hey, this doesn't sound right. Well, that's it, you're out. You know, pastors who would dare to speak about it, canceled. Canceled. All in the name of science. You know, and, and I just wonder for all of the scientists out there, have you forgotten the scientific method that just talks about how all of the, all of the views come into play when you're, when you're doing science? You don't just take one side and say, oh, this is the one we're going to test. And if another view comes in, we're not going to test that. No, we're just going to go with this. That, that's just not science. And I think I see people making decisions, big decisions, without thinking about it. Can I just say, Kingsway, you guys are the people that I care about. You are the people that I love. <laughs> Even if I haven't seen you in a year, like I talked to some people this week and I was like, I hear their voice. I'm like, oh, it's just great to hear your voice, even though you're calling because you're angry at me. It's just great to hear your voice. I have to be careful, obviously, with what I say right now about this, but please listen and just listen in the context of this. Are you making big decisions without really thinking about them? Because we have a vaccine rollout coming underway, and I'm not preaching about the vaccine. If you have questions about it, I would love to talk to you. I would, I would ask you, if you're, if you're unsure, please, please talk to me. The promise is that we're going to get back to normal. <laughs> but there's been many promises that haven't been kept as a result. Are we sure that's a guarantee? I'm not telling you whether you should or shouldn't get it. Here's my only question for you. Have you asked any logical questions about it for yourself? Asking questions, pondering, having thoughts, that, that's not allowed all of a sudden. I, I, people put, you know, they write the words, having questions about, and all of a sudden uh, 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 Facebook will put something up there that, oh, you know, the vaccine, this and this, and we're not even talking about the vaccine. Just mention the word questions. They just assume that's what it's going to be about. And before you react, could you simply reflect and wonder why would he say this? I, I, just, I guess I have one last thing that just gets me on this. How did we go from being a culture that loved and, and trusts people, that we would turn on all the people that we know love us and trust us, and yet we would trust somebody who has the name expert, even though we have no idea if they actually love and care about us? How did we get to that place? How did we get there? I think it has to do with truth, whether truth was worth fighting for, whether truth was worth standing up for. And maybe you're like, man, should we even be talking about fighting as Christians? That's a great question. That's a great question. That's my question for tonight. What's, what is worth standing up for? What is worth fighting for? Paul, in his letters to Timothy, wrote this. He said this, as Jesus followers, I guess, I guess that's before that, my question is, do, do you think truth is worth standing up for? Do you think it's worth standing up for? That's, you don't, that's my question. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7, Paul says this. At the end of his life, I have fought the good fight. I fought the good fight because this life of faith, it's a fight. He's like, I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Man, if you haven't yet watched Apostle Paul on Netflix, you're gonna, about to have a whole lot of time to do so. And I would encourage you to, to go and watch Apostle Paul and, and see that his life was a fight for faith. You know, in and out of jail because of what he stood for, on the run, you know, criticized, beaten, tortured stoned, shipwrecked, left for dead. 
I thought, man, it would have gone so much better for you, Paul, if you would have just stopped standing up for Christ. And I wonder if I could sit with Paul, you know, at the end of his life, right before he's beheaded and say, Paul, man, was it, seriously, man, was it worth it? Was it worth it? You spent most of, you know, most of your life traveling as a result and some of your life imprisoned as a result. Was it worth it? And I, I didn't have to go far before I figured out the answer to that. Not only did Paul think it was worth fighting for, he thought others should as well. Today's verse of the day came up. 1 Timothy 6, verse 11 and 12. Here's what Paul writes to Timothy. He's like, Timothy, you man of God, flee the things, flee those things. He mentions this list of things that distract. He says, and pursue pursue, go after, chase after righteousness, chase after godliness, go after faith, go after love, go after patience, go after gentleness. Tim, fight the good fight of faith because it is going to be a fight. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And what is this thing that they stood for? Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, he's like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Getting stoned, getting whipped, getting beaten, I, it doesn't matter. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the good news. I will stand up for it again and again and again. And it was that message, the good news, that they stood for, and not only them. Throughout history, they stood for it. In, in, in countries all over the world, they stood for it, that the good news might reach this little town of Balmoral, that it might reach the ears of the hearing and it might reach you wherever you're hearing it tonight. People stood and said, this thing is worth standing for and we will, we will. Is it worth standing for today, I wonder? Are we too short-sighted to think about the generations down the road that need the gospel? Will we stand for it today? Is it worth standing for? Paul journeyed to Rome where he was going to be executed. He knew that he, he knew by the, by the Spirit of the Lord telling him, he knew he wasn't coming back from Rome. So he stopped in to check on these fellas, this church in, in Ephesus, and he meets with the elders, and he only has a quick, he actually sends, asks them to come meet him because he doesn't even have time to go to their town. And they, they, they gather together on the shore of the, uh, of, uh, of, uh, near, near Ephesus, and as they gather there, he, he leaves them with a bunch of different thoughts. And he, he leaves them with these words, Acts chapter 20, verse 28. So guard, or in some translations, be on guard, brothers. He says, guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, his gathering. They've been purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as a leader. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, and they won't spare the flock. So be on guard. Be on guard because the liars are coming. Be on guard. It reminded me of the old fencing term, on guard. And I thought, you know, I looked it up to see what that meant. It's the referee says it so that they're both ready before the fight starts. And I thought, that's, that's nice because that's not what I experienced with the enemy. Our enemy, he stabs you in the back and then says, oops, on guard. Our enemy, the devil, doesn't fight fair. And we talked about him last week. And Paul's just simply saying, leaders of the church, be ready in advance. Be ready in advance. Be ready before it happens. For some, for some you think this is like, oh, this is overkill. Mark, we're just a little ways away from it all being over. Stop, stop talking about these things. Stop. You're just a conspiracy theorist in all of this. 
without looking back at the last year we've come through and having no foresight for where we're actually headed as a nation. And it concerns me. It concerns me, Kingsway, because I love you. I love you. This is the church that he was building when Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my gathering and the gates of hell won't be able to stand against it. That doesn't mean that they won't try. That doesn't mean they won't try. In Matthew 24, verse 24, Jesus said, hey, in the end times, I'll let me warn you what's coming. Let me warn you ahead of time. In the last days, false prophets will come. They're going to try and deceive people. They will even try and deceive the Jesus followers. Sorry for those in the room. If I look at you, it just gets me. I'm not ignoring you. You know, that they'd be deceived with lies so clever. They sound like truth. Jesus was warning that that would happen. Paul is telling the elders of Ephesus, be careful, be on guard, because it's going to happen. I see it happening. I see it happening. I'm super grateful for our frontline workers in the hospitals right now. Many of them are overworked. I know that. They're caring for the physical health of patients and getting to hear some of the feedback from some of the ones that are working there. Can I also tell you that the church is like a hospital? It cares for the emotional, relational, moral, and spiritual health of people. We are not just biology. Though our God-forsaken culture wants to think that without God, all we're left with is biology. We are so much more. We are so much more. And when I hear people come into the gathering and say, it's this is the only place I feel normal for a whole year. The gathering is important. When I hear people... of people whose family members are so depressed they consider taking their own lives and when I hear them this week of a young guy lost his job and is afraid to lose his apartment and he leaves his parents a note and ends his life because he has nowhere to go it matters it matters. When people say just seeing faces is like therapy, what are we doing to our children? It matters. It matters. It especially matters when things are being done in the name of safety. For so many people that are not at risk, it matters. So is the church, the gathering of Jesus' followers, is it worth standing for? Is it worth fighting for? I say yes, it is. And right now, there's countries all over the world where it's not legal to meet. And I know some of you are saying the church is not being persecuted, but if we meet with more than 10 members, it is illegal. It matters. I don't, I, I should have got more sleep. 
least it matters to me. And if you... <laughs> and finally, and this is not a sermon, it's just a heart-to-heart. My question is, Christians and Canadians, is Canada worth standing up for? Because I don't know if you understand. And maybe you're like, don't mix politics and religion. The problem is we separated them and never should have. Had the church stayed in politics, we'd have had the voice of God in the leadership of our nation. And we don't have that right now. And the problem is they already affect one another deeply. It is because of the decisions of politics that the family of God is affected. And the freedoms that we have as a country are the freedoms that allowed us to gather in this country. And we are witnessing something we've never seen in this country before. A level of power and control over free people in the name of safety. Telling families, you need to quarantine your children in their room for two weeks because they came in contact with an asymptomatic person. And don't tell me it's not happening because it's happening in our county. Not recommending healthy actions during a health crisis, but taking those things away. Not having to produce the scientific evidence to, to warrant a lockdown. And charter rights being suspended for over a year with no end in sight. It hurts. It truly hurts because it hurts people. It hurts people. <laughs> Was that freedom worth fighting for? Is it worth fighting for? Is it worth standing up for? My, my grandparents and great-grandparents say it was. And we have an anthem that we sing. I don't know the last time we've ever got a chance to sing it together, but it goes like this, Oh, Canada, our home and native land, true patriot love and all thy sons command. With glowing hearts we see the rise, the true north strong and free. The true north strong and free from far and wide, O Canada. We stand on guard for thee, but do we? We think it's an enemy that's going to come from outside, but it's going to be alive from the inside. That devalues humanity, non-essentializes people. And this is not a political thing. It's because the church, the church, we are the light in the world. And I'd love for us to be able to have the freedom in this country to do that for as long as possible. But it doesn't matter how dark it gets, the church will shine. The church will shine. The gates of hell will not stand against it. And if they shut us down, they're just sending us out into the, into the, spot, in, into the community. And all I can say is this. That as your pastor, as a flawed leader, I can't say nothing and have a clear conscience. I love people too much. You don't have to agree with me. I'm not even asking you to. I just ask that there is room for the other levels that are involved in this. I will one day give an account before God for this church, the church that he loves, the church that I love. And will I get it all right? Heck no. Maybe tonight was one of those. I don't know, but I'll need forgiveness. I'll need forgiveness.
And if this disqualifies me as a leader in your books, that's okay. But please don't lose sight of Jesus. Please don't lose sight of Jesus through all of this. And maybe you're watching and you're like, this was awkward, but I'm still watching. Maybe it stirs up something in your heart of like, he speaks of freedom. He speaks of being loved. He speaks of purpose and hope. Is There is purpose and hope because God knows you. He cares about you. I don't know when you're tuning into this, but maybe it's like you're at the end of, uh, your end of understanding of everything that's going on. God loves you dearly. So much so that he would send his son into the world. There is hope and there is reason to live. There is joy that you can have. You can be a part of his family. He invites you. He invites you to turn from sin because it's what's screwing everything up. Say, God, take my past and my future. I just want to follow you. Will it be easy? No. Will it come at a cost? A hundred percent. Will people hate you for it? For sure. Will you have to stand and blubber in front of people? Maybe. Ten out of ten times, I'll tell you, it was worth it. And whoever calls in the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. There is hope. There is hope. There is hope. Father, Father, I lift up our people before you today. You know where they are. Your presence is right there with them. I believe you're here with us today, too. I don't even know how to pray, but you do. Lord, would you open the eyes of those who can't see? That they might see the truth, that they might see you, that they might find hope, that they might find courage, that they might find life and be able to live and not just survive. Father, I pray for our government. I pray for our leaders. Lord, that you grant them repentance, that they might see you as Lord of all. Allow you to be Lord of all. Father, I pray for your church. Would you stir us up? Would you empower us with your spirit? Help us to love like you love. To love like you love. May they see you in us, I pray. Even through our flaws, may they see you in us. I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.